Welcome to Leading the Next Generation with Tim Elmore, where our mission is to empower the emerging generations with skills to lead in real life. Welcome back, podcast listeners. Andrew here, and with me, as always, is Dr. Tim Elmore. Tim, how are you today? I am very well. I'm extremely elated. I don't use that very often, but this topic has got me absolutely intrigued, and I'm hoping this conversation is going to just bless a whole bunch of people that are maybe thinking through some of the habits and behaviors of young people. Yes, yes. Well, you have not only written a great topic, you wrote an incredibly intriguing title, we're calling this episode <laughs> Drunk on Dopamine, and I've, yes. I've got questions, so I'm really excited about <laughs> okay. getting into this. But, I mean, a lot of this comes back to our conversation about um, addiction, right? Yeah. We're addicted to this drug called dopamine, but each of us goes through our own little addictions, yes. right? I don't think there's a human alive who couldn't go, I went a little too hard on that thing, whatever that thing yeah. was. Yeah. I remember for me growing up years ago, uh, the really easy culprit were, were video games, um, yep. And for years, I had had an okay relationship with video games. And then all of a sudden, I realized one summer, um, it was actually the summer right after I graduated high school, right before I went to college, I realized that I just didn't have the ability to put it down. Wow. And I, it came after, the revelation came after a couple of months, I looked at a game that I had been playing and I saved it and it showed me how much I had been playing. How many hours? Exactly. Oh my god. And I mean it was dozens and dozens and dozens yeah. and dozens. Yeah. It was like it was like I had spent a whole weekend and yeah. didn't sleep and played the yeah. entire weekend. Yeah. It was that kind of number. I've heard about you people. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, one, video games make it really easy. But two, as I've reflected back on that moment, Tim, do you know what I think actually happened? I had always had video games as a part yeah. of my life, but up until that point. I had already always had a parent around mm. who yeah. was helping me curb, who was stepping in at 10 yeah. p.m. and going, Andrew, go to bed, you know? Yeah, right. But f- but that summer, I was given a lot more autonomy mm-hmm. with how to, you know, yeah. spend my time because my parents saw Andrew's about to go off to college. And a lot of times I was playing video games when I was at yeah. home and they weren't around and all that stuff. And what I realized is I had never actually built the ability myself to curb this or or kind of put restrictions around it. Yeah. And in other words, I was overly reliant upon my parents, which I think happens in a lot of ways yeah, to kids today. True. So yeah. um, we were jo- joking around about one of your uh, oh quote-unquote addictions. Yeah. I yeah. want you to talk well, about it. I, it remains to this day, I must say. Um, <laughs> this may hit you as silly, but I think I've been addicted to popcorn. <laughs> It, it is my favorite and you, food. And that's not a euphemism for something. No, you mean this quite I, literally. I, I don't know if I can live without it. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm, I'm being silly and facetious, but but even as an adult, if I go to the movie theater, I cannot imagine seeing a movie without a bucket, not a bag, a bucket of popcorn. <laughs> even if I'm eating it alone, I still find myself large, please. Yes. And then, you know, I don't know if anybody else is like this, but as I start watching the movie, I'm intrigued with a movie. And I just keep eating. And I finish it myself. This 55-gallon drum, it seems like, yeah. of popcorn. So now, that's silly, but um, my wife will have to say, Tim, stop shoveling. Stop shoveling. <laughs> yeah. And I You realize, never want that word to be no, used uh, about no, anything you're doing no, re- related to food. when everybody else is quiet and this, she's the only one speaking exactly, during the movie. Exactly, yes. But, you know, here's what hit me. You talked about a silly thing like video games. I talked about a silly thing like popcorn. But, Andrew, it dawned on me, our generation, meaning all of us living now, not young people or old people, um, we are in a pursuit of happiness 
like never before, at least in my lifetime. Yes. Now, the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution, we talk about the pursuit of happiness, but boy, are we pursuing it now. Yeah. But today, it can be a dangerous pursuit because we have the ability, thanks to the streamed world we live in, to binge on anything we want, just about. Yeah, and I think that's a topic we might have discussed before, but it's such a wild thing to me that if you had used the word binge to describe any activity before Netflix came around, it would have been in the negative, right? that's right. They binged on food. They binged on drinks. They binged Smoking or whatever. Exactly. That was always a negative connotation, and now it's become almost like a badge of honor for a lot of people. Yeah, or at least normalized. Yeah. So um, we live in a society that loves... Loves to binge. That's a premise, listeners. I just want you to, uh, if you're not buying into it yet, you'll buy into it by the end of this because we're going to show you. But we love to binge on things we like, whether it's a video game, popcorn, you name it. Uh, And these can be addictions to things that are not as innocent as popcorn or video games. It might be drugs or alcohol, but they can also be simple pleasures like Netflix, TikTok, or even junk food. But the point is the binge component of this equation and what it does to the chemicals in our body has led to a very potential problem that I don't know if we put our finger on yet Mm. until this research from Stanford, which we're about to talk about, came out. Yeah, that is such a fascinating concept. If we don't think about the implications of this new rabbit hole we're going down, obviously this has a big effect on adults. Yeah. But man, an even bigger effect on students, right? No doubt. Because they're in some of the most formative years where the neural pathways are being built, and some of those may be a lot harder to rebuild if we don't get this right. No doubt. So Stanford University research psychiatrist Anna Lemke recently revealed her studies on this topic, uh, and she did it, and she did so in a book called Dopamine Nation, <laughs> Finding Balance in the Age of Indulgence. That's, that's another title. Yeah. And, you know, this might seem like she's some very narrow conservative person. I don't think she is. Yeah. She's just looking at data and going, oh, my gosh, we live in a day of indulgence because we can binge on anything, yep. and it's played some tricks on our, on our chemicals. So she basically, Andrew, explores the brain's connection between pleasure and pain. Okay, so register that, pleasure and pain. And she says there's a sort of seesaw or teeter-totter inside of our brains that goes up and down, releasing chemicals we need to remain stable. So if you go through something painful, your brain naturally releases some happy chemicals. Interesting. This is why we talk about a runner's high. You go run for five, six miles, it's not too fun. Your body's going, what are you doing? But you get the runners high afterwards because those chemicals are naturally released. There's a release, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So it balances you out. Yeah, yep. you're not depressed after you run. You're actually feeling quite good. Mm-hmm. Okay, even though your body might be going, "What did you just do?" Yeah, and that's a natural. That's the natural. Exactly. Version of this. That's right. It's a natural illustration of what we're saying. So um, people become unhealthy when too much pleasure or too much pain. It, um, is is induced, okay? Yeah. I think everybody would agree with that. So each day, each week, each month, the seesaw goes up and down with our brain attempting to bring balance to our lives. Now, that's a, a healthy, normal person. I know there's mental health issues. We're going to get to that in a minute. Yeah. But a healthy person naturally has chemicals released inside. We don't need them necessarily, but boy, if we put them in, it can begin to it can begin to wreak havoc if we're not careful. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good point. And so much of the time we're, we're not thinking about that as we interact no, with this stuff in our lives. Yeah. Andrew, the bottom line is when we seek out pleasures on a nonstop basis, whether legal or illegal, we mess with the neurochemistry of our brain. Now, paradoxically, the more we chase pleasures, the more the brain tries to compensate 
leaving us perhaps in a dopamine-depleted state. Mm. That's what's weird. Yeah. So feeling low, we consume something pleasurable even more, so our brains will release more dopamine. We feel happy. We have easy access to the stimuli. We can binge on it, throwing our dopamine levels off. It's like this teeter-totter going up and down, up and down, up and down. So let me give you an example. Drug use impairs dopamine to the point that the brain can seek out that substance over anything else, hence addictions. Yeah. And we must choose to stop. I must choose to stop the popcorn, dare I say, or you, the video games. I'm sorry, I should be making jokes. Yeah. So in recovery, dopamine won't heal on its own, but we must reset its levels with patience by introducing healthy healthy daily behaviors in our routine. In That's other words, really it's it. not going to happen overnight, yeah. right? So <clears throat> instead of artificially stimulating this seesaw effect, we've got to stop. In, yeah. in other words, take a break and let these things sort of reset themselves on their own. Yeah. And probably that period while we're waiting is going to be a little difficult is my guess. Yeah, I think so. So let me kind of bottom line the issue, and then we're going to go into what do we do, okay? Yeah. So I want to talk about this internal teeter-totter or seesaw that I mentioned earlier. Really, this is not Anna Lemke's term. It's, it's, it's my term. But um, you see, um, our brains have natural ways, as I've mentioned, to keep us chemically balanced. Those happy chemicals, which we've all heard about, such yeah. as dopamine, serotonin, endorphins, and oxytocin, enter our systems as the brain sees fit, mm-hmm. okay? As I said, it's like a teeter-totter. Uh, when one side goes up, our brain compensates and sends the other side down and, and vice versa. When we decide to go running for three or four miles, as I said, we have this runner's high that follows because it was pain and then pleasure, all right? So um, our problem is, once again, in our day, we can hinder our brain's balancing act because we can stream and binge mm. on just about anything. And, and Andrew, you've heard me say this a million times. Please forgive my redundancy yeah. and my repetition. <laughs> See what I did there? I did, yeah. Um, we live in an on-demand world, an instant access world. So if I like something, I watch my kids do this. They're in their 30s, but, yeah. ooh, I want to watch that again. want to watch that again. Why yep. I, when I was growing up, I couldn't watch. Yeah. When I was in elementary school in the 1960s, mind you, I loved Batman. Batman was on 805 on Tuesday nights. I'd be out playing with my friends. At 8 o'clock, I'd go, guys, I got to go. Batman's Batman's off. off. That's right. (laughs) So I'd go inside and watch 30 minutes of Batman. I couldn't say, ooh, I don't want to watch another episode now at 9. Or I couldn't. I had to wait till next week. And in some sense, that was good for me. Yeah. It's like broccoli. It was good for me. Yeah. But we don't have to wait now. Yeah. And everybody that's listening has thought about this, but I want to talk today about what it does to us and how I'm going to make a case for leading ourselves and then leading others into this moderation world yeah. rather than this binge yeah. world. You know, another perfect analogy, and you're probably going to speak to this in, in just a minute, but another perfect analogy I think of is food, right? If I, yeah. if I take a bite of something, chocolate or whatever, I go, yeah. ooh, that's good. The absolute worst thing I can do is keep eating chocolate. That's right. It doesn't make you feel any better. It doesn't yeah. whatever. But your brain is telling you, I want more and more and more of this. Yeah. And um, I think in a lot of ways that's a parallel for what many of us well, do with is. online stuff. And what just came to my mind as you said that was if I like chocolate or popcorn for that matter, I satisfy my appetite. But an appetite is designed very interesting. You satisfy it temporarily. Yeah. But it actually creates a more a deeper appetite. You know, isn't that true? Yeah, it's you true. You just want it more. Yeah. So, and I'm telling you, folks, you know this, but we could be talking about almost anything, but let me just list a few. Narcotics, pornography, mm. alcohol, yep. prescription meds, 
erotic novels, yeah. Netflix, um, and I'm not a naysayer. I'm not your grandpa, but let's just be honest. We can do anything without anybody putting the guardrails up because the, yeah. the guardrails have gone. Yeah. So I believe, Andrew, uh, we are pleasure seekers today. Yep. Let's just admit it. And leading ourselves now is harder than it was 50 years ago when I was growing up. I want you to say that again, because I think this is one This is one of the fundamental truths of what you're trying to say in the podcast yeah. today, from my perspective. So say that line again. Okay. Leading yourself now is harder than it was 50 years ago. We yeah. have more leisure time than past generations. 100 years ago, they didn't worry about leisure time. There was very little of it work yeah. on the farm, <laughs> yeah. you know? Yeah. So, but we think about it a lot now. We have so much. Everything's been automated and mechanic, uh, mechanized and by technology and machines. So uh, I'm just making the case. Uh, it, 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 it's our need now at moderating our search for pleasure and ease. Mm. That's what I'm arguing for, and I actually think it's healthy, yeah. not antiquated. Yeah. So. so as life gets easier and more pleasurable, the need for us to to learn better yeah. self-leadership and self-management yes. becomes yeah. even more and more essential. Yeah. Here is proof from research. So, Andrew, 20-plus years ago, global studies on the subject of happiness, they've been around now for a while, folks studied different nations and their happiness levels by okay. interviewing people in each of those nations. So global studies over 20 years ago showed that the happiest people in the world were those who lived in industrialized nations, who had plenty to eat, wear, and enjoy. Makes that's, logical sense. That's you and I. Yeah. yeah. We reached a tipping point 10 to 12 years ago where these rich nations began becoming less happy than poor nations. That wow. doesn't make sense. Yeah. But have I know it sounds cliche, but haven't you and I both visited developing nations go, I think they're happy over there. It's the happiest person I've ever met. Yeah, yeah. Then we are here. Yeah. So it's kind of strange. But here's the deal. Today, people who live in low-income areas are often happier than those who are rich. But it, And it doesn't make sense unless you consider our inability to manage our dopamine levels. Mm. They are waiting over there. We're not waiting over yeah. here. Yeah. So it becomes weird. And Andrew, I'm going to propose something that's not in the notes. I want you just to give your reaction to it, okay? Mm -hmm. um, I wonder if this research from Stanford is true, and I think it is. Might this be a reason, not the only reason, for some of the anxiety and, and, and depression and panic attacks and just low levels of happiness? We've binged to the point our body... It's reacting, yeah. and we go into lows. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think that's very possible, especially because this sort of overindulgent behavior yeah. started for many of the kids who are struggling with these kinds of things yeah. very early on, right? Yeah. So a great example is Batman, right? Yeah. If you're a kid growing up today, I have a friend who their kid loves Moana, right? Yes, yes. They have probably watched this movie with their child 893 times, right? <laughs> because... It's on demand, right? Yeah, right. And I just, I wonder, more to your point, if a kid is growing up in a world where every indulgence is yeah. met, yeah. might they be throwing off some of these yeah. teeter-totters in a way that causes some chronic issues later on? Yeah. I think and it's a might it be true? Assumption. I'm sorry, I didn't let you finish. I, I just said I think okay. it's a reasonable assumption. Yeah. Might it be true, too, that the caring adults in their lives, mom, dad, either teacher, whatever, we don't want to be the bad cop. Yeah. So we ah oh, this it's it's night nice. it's Moana is a good movie yeah but yeah but it's it's binging on really anything just yeah. about yeah so so this reality that we're describing creates a paradox 
of pleasure. Mm. That's an interesting term in it. Yes. We enjoy so much more than past generations did that we no longer feel the plenty and we need more. Yeah. It's not enough. I need more. Okay. And and this is quite commonly called by psychologists the law of diminishing returns. Yeah. Um, you and I have chuckled at this, but um, I remember first dating Pam. You first dated Anna, mm-hmm. who we both married. Um, I remember holding hands was so special at the beginning. Ooh, mm-hmm. I hold her head. She's beautiful. And I held her head. Well, the law of diminishing returns says after six weeks of holding hands, I want a little bit more than holding hands. <laughs> now, I'm going to stop right there. But all I'm saying is we all know this is true. Yeah. And it's true about anything that yeah. we can binge on. Novelty and excitement and all those things just tend to wear off. That's exactly with all right. Things. Yeah. yeah. So it's natural for both adults and kids to seek pleasurable experiences. I'm not saying this is weird, but um, we've just got to begin to do something about it in a binge ability world. Yeah. So we got to choose well. Yeah, all of this takes me back, Tim, to um, you know the example I gave of video games at the yeah, beginning, right? Yeah. Um, I think in a lot of ways, applying this idea to this, what I was doing ultimately was uh, diving into this, probably diving into it when I felt good and when I felt bad, right? Yeah. Using it as an as a synthetic stimulant, right, to produce some of those happy chemicals and turn yeah. off then uh, you know the need yeah. for me to do that internally, and ultimately that kind of fueled I think ultimately yeah. an addiction, right? Yeah. So that wasn't just a good analogy. I think that might have actually been part of the equation here. Yeah. And you know, to your point about needing separation, that was ultimately the answer that I figured out was. You you did. You figured it out. Absolutely. Yeah. I, 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 after that summer, that was sort of my reaction to it as I went, mm-hmm. if I don't have the ability to handle this and I'm about to go off to college, taking this thing with me is probably the worst decision I can yeah. make, right? Yeah. And so I don't know what got into me because it was the one good decision <laughs> I made as a teenager, you know, but I, I decided this Xbox is not coming with me to college. Yeah, interesting. I still played video games in college. Yeah. It just wasn't in my room with yes. unlimited yeah. access. Yeah. And that ended up being a really great decision. And I think in part it was resetting some of that, I think, in, in my yeah. mind. So, yeah. um, Well, Tim, I know you're about to get us to some more research as well as some answers on what can we do to sort of right the ship here. But before we get there, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll dive in. Hey guys, Andrew here. I'd like to talk to you about our curriculum, Habitudes for Social and Emotional Learning. Growing up in a post-pandemic world means that many students today are facing new challenges and often don't have the social and emotional skills to handle it all. When students possess skills like self-awareness, impulse control, empathy, teamwork, and responsible decision-making, they're prepared to not only survive, but succeed inside and outside of the classroom. Habitudes for Social and Emotional Learning comes in both middle school and high school versions and presents a fun, image-based pedagogy designed to delight and challenge your students. Find out more about how you can get Habitudes for Social and Emotional Learning to your school by going to growingleaders.com SEL. Okay, Tim, we're back. We were talking about, obviously, this teeter-totter effect, this dopamine, sort of synthetic dopamine, and how our world is fueling it. But I want you to talk about what do we do? What's sort of the solution to this? And uh, maybe begin with a little research on the importance of detox and moderation. Yeah. So the answer, um, I believe, at least that we're going to propose in this this short podcast, is the terms detox and moderation. Mm-hmm. So Dr. Lemke, the 
Anna Lemke, who I mentioned from Stanford University, actually recommends a dopamine detox. She did it herself as, oh, wow. a, as, a, as a professor and an and, and instructor and psychologist. So we can be addicted to dopamine squirts that we have created. Can I say that again? We can be addicted to the dopamine squirts in our brain that we created because we binged on things that make us happy and pleasurable. So a true dopamine detox is actually impossible because the brain continues to produce dopamine all the time. However, here's the however, refraining from activities that stem from compulsion and impulse may prove to be beneficial for short periods of time. So Dr. Lemke even talks about her own addiction to romance novels. She said, oh, I got to admit, yeah. I read them and read them. She'd say, I'd read one in an entire week and just nonstop. My family was doing something else and I was reading romance novels. So she tried quitting for a month and then she went back to reading them and she discovered a month isn't enough for me. Mm-hmm. I went right back into binging these romance novels. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. So um, she needed a fast from them for several months for her dopamine to not need a dose of the novels. So this can be true, again, of porn, narcotics, alcohol, you name it. So even if you feel you're not consuming something addictive, you can be addicted to the dopamine it fosters in your system. Yeah. It's sort of built in that addiction yes, reaction. That's right. Our brains actually know how to create healthy levels if we practice moderation. So the detox is what she talks about. I know we all can do moderation. Mm. Isn't that a word that maybe we heard two or three older generations use? Yep. Grandma and grandpa back in the day. Everything in moderation. Everything yeah. in moderation. Yep. Everything, yeah. I remember my grandma used that term. Yeah. And I didn't realize that was actually proverbial. It yeah. was a proverb. It was, it was uh, Greek poets and philosophers. And it might be more relevant for us today than it was for our grandparents <laughs> who told us that, you know. know. It's moderation so is harder. So doc, Dr. Lemke uses a psychological term for moderation, self-binding techniques. Doesn't that sound like a big 50-cent oh, term yeah. that only a doctorate would be able to have? <laughs> yes. Self-binding. So we bind ourselves. People create both literal and cognitive barriers between the extreme pleasures they might enjoy and their consumption of them. So uh, not having a substance in the house, whether it's cookies or potato chips or drugs or whatever, yeah. okay, is a self-binding technique. Mm-hmm. I just don't want them in the cabinet because if they're in the cabinet, I'm going to reach for them. Yeah. You know? I remember during the quarantine in 2020, I thought, oh, my gosh, the worst enemies in my house are the refrigerator, the television, and the bed, you know, because <laughs> yeah. I'll just go to those, yeah. you know, and that's, yeah. not, that's not good. Yeah. So um, some people even do this when they travel. So um, I know of people who will call ahead to the hotel and ask the hotel to remove the mini bar from their room. They wow. just know I shouldn't have that. Yeah. I know how I am. Yeah. Or turn off certain channels on the TV, you yeah. know, the child-proof channels or yeah. whatever. All these are self-binding techniques, or can we say the term moderation? Yeah. Um, they might also put in the kitchen safe and make sure that they don't know the combination, you know, yeah. all those things. So I'm suggesting, listeners, that you begin to consider for your own life how your brain naturally maintains a sense of happiness or contentment if you'll practice disciplines to help the brain practice yeah. those right levels of, of chemicals. Yeah, this is a very small example, but one of the things I realized years ago, um, and by years ago, I mean like one and a half years ago, is that my nights, I look back on them with much more pleasure if I leave my phone in the bedroom. Yeah, yeah. Just create distance for me because I will mindlessly pick that thing up and then I will, before too long, realize I wasted time 
looking at something that I didn't even care about really, but it was just sort of a mindless activity. So you're exactly right. Just creating that distance from that thing can often help us make a better decision with it. No doubt. So Andrew, I want to close out here. I've got nine or 10 ideas that I just love to share as practical, quick steps for listeners to consume, maybe jot down if you're not driving. But I feel like these have been ones that have been helpful for me, and I probably you would say, Andrew, same with me. absolutely. So let's jump in. All right. So number one, I think it really needs to start with you identifying where you overindulge in something. Write it down and then plan to how you're going to avoid it. Mm. Okay, so acknowledge it and write it down. Number two, I, I think science tells us to get seven or eight hours of sleep per night to normalize your dopamine levels. Yep. So you're going to naturally get back to normal yep. if you're a relatively healthy person by just getting good sleep, seven, eight hours. We all know we make poorer choices if we didn't sleep well the night yeah, before. Yeah, that's right. It's just reality. It's true. Number three, <laughs> here's, here, this, here's me saying this. The, the Avoid pot. junk food. Yeah, the pot con, the kettle black. Yep. Uh, I, but I do. I have watched I eat a salad a day. That's one of the rules yeah, I have yeah. because I would like French fries, you yep. know, or – did, did I mention popcorn? Early? I think you might have. I did. So avoid junk food and maintain a healthy diet. And that actually increases dopamine levels because yeah. even if you're introducing the pain of Brussels sprouts, it's actually going to pay off later. Uh, number four, um, this goes without saying, but exercise regularly to increase dopamine. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked about this earlier, but, you know, the runner's high. It's just going to get you back to the right level. Uh, five, spend time outside. Uh, vitamin D, we know, is is released, uh, yeah. or, or you get it when you spend time in sunshine, uh, and it and it decreases times when you're sedate. So decrease sedentary times and increase outside active times. Love it. Okay. Uh, six. This may seem odd for me to list this, but it's proven to be true. Meditation and prayer increase abilities for discipline and mental strength. Now, even though prayer is not painful necessary or meditation isn't painful we would say that's a discipline yeah the discipline of it is yes. can sometimes we want noise and stimulation but when you're quiet and prayerful or just meditating mm-hmm. it's it's going to give you great a greater ability to moderate if nothing else if nothing else yeah. yeah seven engage in healthy pleasurable activities in moderation so again i'm making the case that grandma made back in the day keep boundaries on yourself if you had a lot of something be thankful for it, but then say, I need to close up the potato chip bag, put a clip on it, and yep. put it away. Yep. Or throw it away. <laughs> Number eight, take magnesium. This is actually a chemical that will help you raise and balance dopamine levels. That's great. Nine, finally, invite accountability from someone who knows your goal of balance. So mm-hmm. getting somebody else involved who's just going to ask, how you doing? Yep. Feel like you're spending too much time binging on anything? And uh, I just think that's awesome. Socialize your goals. So what I hear you saying, ultimately, Tim, is that you're giving me permission to hold you accountable to your popcorn. I guess I am. <laughs> yeah. Just say, how's the bucket? And I'll know what you're okay, talking about. Okay, that sounds good. Yeah. That sounds good. Andrew, I've met teens who fast from social media. Yeah, that's, that's so a great cool. example. Or, or at least curb their appetites. They put the two-hour limit. And I think that's a great limit. Yeah. Uh, they're not masters. Uh, uh, or excuse me, they are masters not slaves to technology. So there's a lot of simple ways that we can fast from from too much dopamine by just 
leading ourselves well. Yeah, those yeah. are all really practical examples. And I hope maybe one or two, as you were listening to this, listeners, that you were able to pull from and go, you know what, I'm going to try that one uh, this week. Yeah. So, um, Tim, I want you to wrap up uh, by telling us a, a story, kind of connect it to how, how should we yeah. be thinking about this? How should we be feeling about this subject? Today, we just talked about a bit of the science behind this idea of leading yourself and yeah overcoming the binge habit. I think we saw a great one, uh, a great illustration of this uh, with a presentation in front of Congress not that long ago, this year, in other words. Yeah. So some of the makers of artificial intelligence, you know, many of the new apps that have come out that allow us to binge on artificial intelligence. I remember when we first had heard about ChatGPT, it came out. We heard very rapidly later that the makers were in front of Congress begging congressmen and women to give boundaries or put boundaries on them because they knew that people would not be able to do it themselves. Mm. Sad but true. Yeah. So what an illustration of let's not – you know what? My grandpa used discipline yourself so somebody else doesn't have to. Isn't that good? <laughs> yeah. Discipline yourself so somebody else doesn't have to. Yeah, and if you don't, somebody else probably come, yeah. will come along and do it yeah. for you. Yeah. So the story I think you were wanting me to tell is – I love telling this story. It's actually in one of her Habitude books, but it's the story of a millionaire, lots of money, who went to a building contractor, and he gave him a big wad of cash. Uh, I mean, just huge stash of cash. I'd like to. I'd like to be that. You'd guy. like to meet that yeah, guy, wouldn't yeah. you? Okay. But he said, "Okay, I want you to build a house, and here's the specs." You know, and it was you know four bedroom, three bathroom, you know, kitchen, dining, whole thing. So he said, "Here's the here's the blueprint." Here's the cash. This is way more cash than you're going to need. So I just want you to know, build the house to the specs, and whatever you have left over, you can keep it. Ooh. Well, the building contractor going, ching, ching. Yeah. This is great because I can throw this thing together and keep a whole bunch of cash. So he does. He throws the house together flippantly. Yeah. Like the studs are four feet apart and one set of, you know, coat of paint, one set of shingles. Yeah. Cheapest lights from Lowe's, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So he walked back up to the millionaire with a big wad of cash in his pocket and a house that had been thrown together. And he gives the keys to the millionaire, but that's when he was suddenly hit with the reality of the situation. The millionaire took the keys and said, oh, I forgot to tell you, the house is yours. And he gave the keys right back to him. Mm. This is the situation we find ourselves in. We can binge all we want, but it's our life. We're yeah. Building. It's our life. We can throw it together flippantly, or we can say, I want to have a good house when I'm 80 years old because I learned how to lead myself. I love that. I love that. May that be true for us as the leaders of the next generation, but let's raise them to do the same thing, to realize the ownership they need to take over their digital lives and the decisions that they're making. Well, Tim, thank you so much for challenging us on this subject today. If you are looking for a way to have conversations about really important topics like building skills in your students, uh, there's a tool that we have at Growing Leaders that I want to commend to you. Uh, We call it Habitudes. Habitudes are simply images that form leadership habits and attitudes. And it's a remarkable tool that uses pictures and stories and metaphors in order to communicate really important social and emotional concepts, just like the ones we've been talking about today. So if you're looking for a tool, a solution that you can use, I highly recommend you head on over to growingleaders.com slash SEL to find out more. 
Well, as always, if you want to rate this podcast, give us five stars on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. We would greatly appreciate it. If you've thought of somebody who might enjoy this episode, we would ask you to just share it with them as well. That would uh, We'd also really appreciate that. If you want to connect with us online, we are at Growing Leaders and at Tim Elmore pretty much everywhere you are. And then finally, if you have ideas for this podcast, subjects you think we should cover, people you think we should interview, shoot us an email. It's podcast at growingleaders.com. We love getting those. Tim, thank you once again for challenging us. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you next time.